0: Man, we love hearing stories about that through Serve Day and through even Instagram, people are being reached uh, and brought to Jesus. And that is our heart here at Northside is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And right now our volunteers are going to come. They're going to collect the offering. And uh, when we give back to God, this is what we're saying is, God, we are joining you. We want to follow you. We trust you. And then God takes what we entrust to him and he blesses others. And uh, as they're coming, uh, I just got to, I want to share with you guys a pretty phenomenal story. You know, last weekend as we were talking about Serve Day weekend, we were talking about serving the least of these and all this other stuff that God wants us to do. Uh, What we did at our all staff was we were praying and this is Herbie Pierre, he's one of our newest staff members. And uh, what was so cool is we were going around and we were sharing wins and uh, we said, hey, what did did you guys see God do last week? And somebody uh, volunteered Herbie to share his story. Herbie didn't uh, raise his hand. Uh, But what was phenomenal is uh, we said last weekend that God does extraordinary things through our ordinary life. And when we serve and when we trust our life to, to God, it looks very ordinary to us, but God is doing an extraordinary thing. And uh, there was a pretty extraordinary moment that happened last weekend at Serve Day, which I'm going to tell you in a second. Uh, but to enjoy and fully grasp that, I wanted uh, Herbie to share just a little bit of his journey and why that moment was so extraordinary. So, Herbie, tell us a little bit of how you grew up and why that moment last weekend was so extraordinary.
1: Um, like you, sir, uh, the pastor say, I'm Herbie, uh, born and raised in Haiti, and. Uh, As long as uh, growing up, you know, learn how to say mommy, daddy, and I saw myself growing up in an orphanage, and then um, being growing up, you know, said teach me about God. Every Sunday, we learn about who God is, you know, love your neighbors as yourself. And then uh, because of I been a troublemaker, and then uh, I get to get out of the orphanage and then go to meet my family, which is in Cabaret and 40 Minutes from Port-au-Prince, which is the capital. And then... uh, I met my grandpa, and my grandpa introduced me, my family member, my sisters, my brothers, and my mom's side, and my dad's side also. And then uh, I wait for a while, and I see, and I tell him, but you didn't show me somebody. He said, who? I say, my mom. He said, well, uh, she passed away when she was giving birth to you in a hospital. And I said, okay, what about my dad? He said, he's right there. And I go to his house, and I say, I heard you, my dad. He said, no, I did not know you. And um, it was very sad that everybody know he was my dad, but he rejected me. And I get to see him every day, but he didn't want me. And then life started very horrible for me. But um, in the midst of everything, I didn't know if God is trying to make a way for myself. And I just thought that God forgetting me that I was exist. And I say, why is it me in the midst of those situations that have to be persecuted like that? I spent some weeks, you know, without eating any food. Not because I don't want to, because I don't have it. And if I go stealing, I can get killed or I can be put in jail. And uh, I start, you know, having kids in the neighborhood, you know, teach them the homework, the lesson, you know, so the parents can save me some food. And I have my little notebook that says uh, where I'm gonna eat food today. And when I go to those parents, they say, oh, sorry, I forgot you. So just like that, my story keep going on. And uh, when I was in middle school, didn't have money for tap tap, going six miles every day to go to school, three miles go and two miles, you know, to coming back home. And kids making fun of me all the time because my uniform usually dirty and then I didn't know how to do laundry. But my grandpa teach me all those stuff. And then um, he, and after I couldn't, uh, my grandpa couldn't pay school for me because he was a fisherman. And sometimes you catch, sometimes you don't catch anything. And then, um, uh, I spent four years without going to school because my grandpa couldn't pay ten dollars, which is two dollars in the U.S. So I had to go fishing with him, trying to teach me how to swim. I said, "I'm not going in there," <laughs> <laughs> because I'm afraid of the ocean. If my feet can't touch the, uh, the sand, I'm not going farther than that. And then uh, sometimes I just stay by the shore, you know, making a bonfire and sleep over there. But um, It was hard for me, but yet God still loved me, and I never knew that. And then um, I remember also in 2009, as we grew up together, uh, we lived together in a house, and then the houses keep working down on us. And then... uh, um, Yeah, we even have a picture of the house that you and your grandpa grew up in. Yeah, that's the house that we used to live together, and then also the house is good during the day, but not night when it rained. I have to stand on my feet all night long to let my grandpa sleep in one little bed that we have, and then uh, because I put metal sheets in the top so you don't get wet. And then uh, I heard a story that uh, an American go into Haiti, and then he got so much money, and I said, I want to see him. <laughs> and then uh, he's, from, he's from Oklahoma. His name is Kurt Dye, and then uh, he traveled to Haiti twice a year, and then uh, um, Every time I sit by the streets and then also see if he's coming by. One time I saw him trying to grab him to go home. He said, I'm so busy, I can't, I can't. And I, okay, and I let him go. And the next time I, soon it's daylight, I'm sit by there. And I saw him, I drag him, take him home. And he finally go with me. And he look at the house and said, what do you want me to do? I say, I want to see how you can help us, me and my grandpa. And then he say, well, I can't promise you, but I'm going to share that with my staff. And then uh, we'll see what I can do. And then same morning again, before daylight, by the streets, waiting up there because I have nothing to do. And then uh, I saw him coming. He said, we're going to your house. And I'm so happy. And he says, well, we definitely going to help you and your grandpa. They give me a new home. And also he have a restaurant in Haiti. He says, you and your grandpa are welcome to eat anytime and for free. And then I look at this and I say, this is exactly how God is. Yeah, man. This is God, because we as human, we don't have love. Hmm. But God introduced his love to somebody to leave his country, to leave everything that he has, with working hard, take his money and so help me over there. And I cannot be just saying, oh, I'm perfect, I'm not perfect. But God is good, no matter what it is. And in the midst of all those things, if I can't trust God when I was in the suffering, I won't trust him when things are good for me. Because I will think that I work hard on my own to get what I'm having today. But let me tell you guys, I know struggle is everywhere. But in Haiti, food is very expensive. And my story is my story, but other people have more story than I. Mm. And I saw all the things. I even cry when I see other people suffering. But yet God is still good. We don't choose to live that way. But one day I believe that thing will be changing over there. And we're all missionary can just stay here and work f- to help their own country, yeah. where Haitian people will move over there and help their own country again. Maybe not my generation, but I believe it will happen one day. Well, and you, you even got connected with him,
0: and this is how the, the Serve Day came together. You, you came on as an interpreter for trips that were coming down with Lifeline. Is that right? Yes.
1: Uh, I used to work in the orphanage, and then uh, the director of the orphanage, you know, friends with the Mission Lifeline orphanage, I say sometimes they have a hard time finding interpreter if they can use me sometime. I say, yeah, definitely. And then uh, one day they came in and also you know, I go, happen with them, translate for doctors, for pastors. And every time I finish, they give me a box of food and I take it home. It's like heaven is coming down. It's good for me, good for my family, good for my friends. And I can't complain because it was good. But when I sign for serve day, and then I see the sign up that says Mission Lifeline. I said, whoa, I'm wondering if the Mission Lifeline I used to work with. And after they present themselves, they're praying, and I saw one, the guy, and I talked to him, he said, are you guys doing Mission Lifeline from Haiti? He said, yeah, we are the one that go to Haiti. We have several places. And then they say, I used to work for you guys. But the cool things about it made me so proud that day, and I was so happy. I spent the whole day in telling my wife when I get home, so happy about it. I never knew at all in a million years, I would be the one and the other side of the Haiti, packing food to give it back to over there, while I'm the one that used to be yeah. receiving it. Yeah. It was amazing. We got a picture of you and your family
0: serving last week. Yeah. They served, a, and... Uh, this is just the way that God works. When we heard this story, I paused and like, "Whoa, time out! We got to talk about this as a church, because this is just the way that God has worked. He has been with you through every season, and then now for you to be here on our staff here, there's no way we could dream this yeah. up, and for you to be with one who would serve your country and your people and not forget them, uh, just an incredible story, Herbie. Yeah. Would you guys give Herbie a hand? Thank him so much, man. So proud of you, buddy. Grateful for you, man. Yeah, it's such an incredible story, guys. He outworks all of us on this staff. I mean, seriously, When we, I mean, he's kind of a jack of all trades. He can fix anything, do anything. And literally, it was so cool. We're talking with some of our leaders and we go, we actually have to tell Herbie to stop and move on to the next thing because he does everything to perfection. We're like, it's good enough, man. Let's go to the next project. And uh, we love uh, that God has brought him here, his family. And uh, when we were hearing it this week, I I was just sitting here because today we're talking about uh, the line, you know, this whole series we're in called Say What. It's these difficult understandings of Jesus. And Jesus defines greatness for us today. And we hear that story of Herbie. And at the beginning we go, wow, man, how how is this greatness until you begin to see God at work in his life. And then at the end of the story this week when we heard that God had lined it up for him to go, I used to receive that food. Now I'm getting to pack that food and to serve people. We go, what a life. Man, what a great life. Life and it began for us as a staff to just refocus us to go, man. We need to be careful about how we define greatness in our life. And to say, man, this is what greatness looks like is for God to come in and for us like Herbie to step out and to begin to follow him. Because if we're not careful, we'll chase greatness. And after I don't know if any of you guys watched the Derby last night. Your greatness may only last for 20 minutes, and then it's on to the next horse, man. And, uh, you know, I literally, I sat there, I'm like, God, I feel bad for that guy. But what a great sermon illustration. (laughs) It's seriously, if we're not careful, we will build our life. We will think we will have achieved the pinnacle only to have something maybe taken away. And the more I started thinking about it, even this week as I was going in thinking about Derby, you know, nobody ever thought about, uh, you know, maximum security being that nobody compared him to secretariat. Because if you ask people about who's the greatest horse of all time, racehorse of all time, they'll say secretariat. And actually, I I heard this story about secretariat that's pretty fascinating of why secretariat is the greatest horse racehorse of all time. Uh, And this is what I found. It was the first one uh, to win the Triple Crown in 25 years in 1973. And normally this will never happen. A horse, it's rare if a horse wins, a horse of a year. But Secretariat won horse of the year as a two and three-year-old. one of the only horses to ever do that. And it set all sorts of time records at all the courses. Even at Belmont, it won by 31 lengths. I mean, it blew away everybody. And at 19, Secretariat died due to laminitis in its hoof. And at every horse, they do an autopsy. And when they did the autopsy on Secretariat, they looked at its heart and they found the secret on why Secretariat was the greatest racehorse. The normal size of a heart in a racehorse is eight pounds. Secretariat's heart weighed 22 pounds. It was two and a half times the size of a normal racehorse. In all of Secretariat's life, They only looked at the outside of Secretariat and thought that is where greatness lied. Look at the legs. Look how big that horse is. Look at all this other stuff. This is what makes this horse great. And they had no idea what made the horse great was what was on the inside of the horse. I think Jesus, and what we're gonna find today is this, he's gonna rattle our cages a little bit because too often we are chasing greatness externally. And Jesus is gonna redefine greatness for you and I today. And he's gonna say this to his disciples and he's gonna say it to us today that he's going greatness only comes from the inside out. It's not the outside in. Too many times that's why we find ourselves defeated because we're chasing greatness only to not get greatness. To be able to say, hey, I think I've arrived, only to go, man, I thought it would be more than this. And listen how Jesus defines greatness because this is what happens. All of us, we kind of lose focus and we make up our own agenda and we make up our own scale of what we think greatness is. As a matter of fact, Jesus, this is happening to his disciples. They're beginning to define what they think is great. And listen what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Jesus redefines greatness for them and he redefines greatness for us. And I love this about Jesus because he's going, it's not wrong for you to want to be great. We just need to be great according to Jesus. It says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. It said, they came to Capernaum where, and when he was in the house, he asked him, he's talking to his disciples, the 12. What were you arguing about on the road? I love this question because he's getting to their heart. He's talking about what's going on inside of your life. What are you consumed with? I saw you guys arguing. What were you guys arguing about on the road? And I love this about Jesus. He knows the answer, doesn't he? He knows what's going on, but he's asking the question. He wants to hear from them. But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Busted. And it's not just a teacher. It's Jesus calling you out, right? It's kind of double busted here. And I love this. It says in verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said this. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Jesus redefines greatness for his disciples. He redefines greatness for us. And he says, I love that he says that he goes, if anybody wants to be first, he says, if you want to be great, Jesus says, it's not a problem if you want to be great. If you want to be a great parent, if you want to be a great spouse, if you want to be a great business owner, if you want to be great, Jesus says, that that is no problem. Matter of fact, Jesus says, I want you to be great. The only thing is this, if you want to be great, you've got to be last and become the servant of all. Now, for some of you, you're looking at me kind of glazed over because you're going, right now, like that theology doesn't jive with us, especially here in America, right? Because according to the theologian Ricky Bobby, right? (laughs) If you ain't first, you're what? You're last. And Jesus says, if you ain't last, you ain't first. And we're like, what? How can last be first? Jesus says, I know I have a different way for you to live. I redefine Greatness in another way. Because oftentimes, for some of you, you will do anything you can and you never end up number one. You never end up number one in your class. Maybe you don't become the number one salesman and you are doing everything you can and maybe you never get the title of the greatest. And Jesus says, I have a way for you to be great, even if you don't have the title. But He says this if you want to be great, you got to become last. In the servant of all. Now, when I hear that word "last," I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, it's kind of a downer. Wah, wah, wah. You know, it just kind of has this like, okay, so we're just supposed to walk around almost like a busboy, you know? And hey, can I help you? And that's how Jesus wants us to live. Just like, you know, don't have any drive in life, don't have any dreams, just kind of walk around. You're in dead last. No, no. What Jesus says is this. He's going, I want you to serve with your strengths. This is how I want you to serve. When you're last, I want you to serve with everything that you have. Matter of fact, you see Jesus doing this, and we've adopted this in our life. A lot of times we just don't know where it came from. There's not a coach uh, or a team that would disagree with this. I mean, they may, but they don't disagree with this. We say stuff like this maybe at work or in your team. We say stuff like this. Put the team first. If we want to be great, put the team before yourself. This is what Jesus is saying here. If you want to be great, put others before yourself. Because what Jesus is saying here is you will never, think about this, you will never move beyond this in your entire life. From the time you're a kid to the time you die, there is never a time that this doesn't apply to you. We don't say this to our kids. We don't say, hey, they want to play with your toy, but don't give it to them because life is very uncertain. Just keep that toy to yourself, son. You don't know what's coming. <laughs> now, what do we say? We go, don't be selfish. What? Share. Serve the people around you. That's what we tell kids. Hey, hey, hey we won't want you to share. When you get a job, they say, hey, if you're going to be a good employee, you need to take care of the customer. You need to serve the customer. If you're going to be a good boss, this applies to you. The number one reason they, they've proven this in data, the number one, not the only reason, but the number one reason that people change jobs, the number one reason is their manager. Can't work for them anymore. Can't follow them anymore. Can't respect them anymore. Number one reason. See, as our calling, if you're a boss, if you're a leader in this room, your calling is to serve your employees. Matter of fact, Scripture is clear in Ephesians 4, the role of the pastor is to serve and equip the church. Tr- You're not here to serve me. Scripture is clear. I am here to serve you. We are here as a church to build into you. you don't. The, the church exists for those who are not yet here. This is why serve day is so good. This is the whole meaning of the church. Even in marriage, if you get married, if you want to have a great marriage, here's the key right here. Jesus says this. You ready? out each other. Outserve each other. Now, I've been married for 12 years. I still feel like a rookie uh, because what I found is this. Uh, Lo and behold, I didn't know like a nice romantic night, uh, you know, watching Sports Center is not what my wife is looking for. (laughs) How about we put on some decaf and we'll cuddle up and we'll watch the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, well, I'm making time for you. Does that not matter? And here's why. Because that's not which speaks to her language. And in marriage, it's not about how you want to be served, it's about how you can serve your spouse. And what happens is this, the more you begin to drive after that, the more that becomes what you look after, the more that begins to be what you run after, You'll begin to see, wow, man, marriage isn't just about me. Marriage is about them. And it begins to change everything. Here's what we've got to understand when Jesus is saying this. Jesus defines greatness by this. This is fascinating. You might want to write this down. Jesus defines greatness by moving the finish line. Today for you, Jesus might be redefining greatness. You're running after something right now. And he's going, all you care about is being first. And what you need to care more about is being last. Not that you don't care, not that you don't get after it. No, 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 Jesus says get after it. The only thing is this, don't just try to be first, be last and be the servant of all. And what you'll find is this, along the way and along the journey, you will find greatness. You will find that because here's what we're gonna find. It is actually, people go, oh, to serve, that's kind of weak. No, actually to serve takes more strength. It takes no strength to be selfish. It takes no strength. Just be selfish. Just make it about you. It takes zero strength. You know it takes strength to speak the truth in love. <sighs> you ever had that moment where like you're supposed to speak the truth in love to somebody? God's put it on your heart, and you're like pacing outside your car, and, like and you're having the imaginary conversation. Okay, uh, you know, and you're like hyperventilating. You got your you know brown bag, <sighs> you know, and you're like ah ah, and the whole thing is this: you're trying to speak the truth but you don't wanna just pop off at people. You wanna love people. Because you know if you pop off, they won't hear you, will they? If you just start yelling, if you just start going after him, ears are shut down. Nobody will hear what you have to say. See, to serve one another actually takes more strength than you and I realize. This is why we gotta understand this, just like Secretariat, greatness begins in our hearts. Greatness isn't begin externally. That's why Jesus asked this question, what are you guys arguing about? Question for you and I to answer, Jesus asking us, what are you making your life about? What are you arguing about? What's consuming your heart? Because Jesus says greatness will actually come internally and go externally. Greatness isn't just externally. Just finished a book uh, this month called The Way of the Warrior, The Ancient Path to Peace. It's out of the resource center if you want to pick it up. It's a phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. And it talks about this. I I love the definition. He says there's a difference between fame and greatness. And I love this. He said fame is always about ourselves. Greatness is always about others. He said, this is why it's possible to be famous and actually not be great. There's a lot of people who can have a lot of followers on social media, and just because you have millions of followers doesn't mean your life is actually a great life. And he said, and at the same time, this is the struggle about following Jesus. You can be great at following Jesus and live his ways and not be famous. And today, one of our hardest thing is this. If we do something good, we wanna go viral, don't we? If I do something good, I want everybody to know it. I want everybody to know. That's what we do on social media, right? We just put all of our highlights out there, right? Last service, this is hilarious. I forgot to collect the offering. And uh, literally forgot to collect in the middle of the sermon. They're like waving the pans in the back. And I'm like, somebody had these people sit down, right? (laughs) Trying to preach. I'm like, oh, volunteers, yes, come on forward. Now, here's the thing about pastors. We never go on Twitter. Forgot the offering today. (laughs) You know what we put? This is what a lot of pastors put on there. We had 4,900,000 people at church. You know, we put all of our highlights. We put all of the good things out there. Here's why I'm so good and all this other stuff. See, it's possible to be great. But at the same time not be famous and Jesus says here's the deal you can be famous but not be great but I want to give you a guarantee that when you begin to live the way that I've created you and called you to live I guarantee greatness I guarantee that when you begin to not put yourself first but you put yourself last and you become the servant of all and this doesn't mean that you don't Keep yourself healthy. Actually, one of the reasons why you and I need to keep ourselves healthy is because the healthier we are, the better we can serve people. The more margin and healthy our heart is, the more compassion we can give one another. See, this is what happens when we burn the candle at both ends and we just run real hard and we fry ourselves. We start making bad decisions. We don't think clear. You know, the more that we have unhealthy disciplines in our life, we actually become less of a servant to others. So one of the things for us is, man, we need to learn how to take care of ourselves, not just for ourselves, but so that we can be great servants for one another. They're, the way of greatness is so different with Jesus than the world. Matter of fact, listen what he says to him in verse 30. This is what boggles my mind. Maybe this week you'll read Mark chapter 9 because he gives them this definition of what greatness is, but right before it, listen, this is, they, they totally disconnect with who Jesus is. It says this in verse 30, Jesus is speaking to him. It said, then they left the place and they passed through Galilee and Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were going because he was gonna teach his disciples. Jesus is ready to serve them. He is the first, he is the creator of all things and he goes, I'm gonna serve the disciples. I'm gonna live out greatness. And listen to this, he gets them away and he said to them, the son of man is gonna be betrayed into the hands of men and then they will kill him and after three days, He will rise. He's telling them, the first is going to become last and become the servant of all. Jesus is saying, I'm going to lead the way. See, isn't this the beautiful thing about Jesus? Every single thing he calls you to, he already lives out before he calls you and I to it. Jesus will never call you to do something he has not done himself. This is why we need the power of the Spirit in our life, because he is calling us to his life. He tells them that. He goes, listen, guys, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. And listen to what it says in verse 32. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. And you know what they did after that? They start arguing about who is the greatest. Jesus says, I'm gonna die for you. I'm here to set you free. I wanna give you a new life. I want you to live a life of greatness. And they don't understand what he's talking about. And then they're afraid to ask him. And they're like, huh, all right, whatever, Jesus. And they go on their way. And I gotta be honest, I think for a lot of us here today, we know already what Jesus is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. We're just afraid to do it, aren't we? Man, what if I begin to serve people like this and it actually cost me some friends? Man, what if I begin to really live this way of Jesus out? Will he be faithful? I mean, if I begin to serve the least of the, if I begin to really go, hey, my life's not about me, it's about others. Will will Jesus forget me? See, this is why Herbie's story is so important. Over and over again, we hear people say, no, in those moments and those hardships, what we found was that Jesus never forgets us. See, this is the life of greatness that we get to step into, that we get to begin to follow. What's amazing about this moment right here is this. They go into arguing who is the greatest, and they're all talking about chasing greatness, and they miss the fact that greatness is chasing them. Jesus doesn't need you to try to create your own life of greatness. Greatness is already chasing you. The question is will you and I welcome in greatness? Jesus begins to tell them how they can apply this and he begins to point us to how we can apply this. And listen to what he says in verse 36. He says, this is what it looks like. This is the first step for them to beginning to live this life of greatness. Verse 36, he said, he took a little child and had him stand among them. Jesus is the master storyteller. He, he grabs the, and he brings this little kid over by him. And he says, hey, come stand over here. And it says, then Jesus taking him in his arms said this to them. And he says it to you and I today. He says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And what he's pointing the disciples to is this. Hey, guys, quit focusing on yourself. And begin to serve people like these little kids. And you know why he's saying that? Because a kid can't give you anything in return, can they? A kid only costs you money. Parents, can I get an amen, All right, Son, how much money have you brought into the household? Okay, you're negative 2,000 for the year, all right. And what Jesus is doing in this moment, he's going, hey, guys. If you want to begin to know my way of greatness, you begin to serve those who can't give you anything in return. Jesus this week wanted to make sure I understood the point. And at 5.30 in the morning on Friday morning, we woke up to a big crash in our bathroom. uh, Only to find my uh, three-year-old son Carter uh, was up on the toilet and knocked one of Lily's nail polishes off the counter. And it looked like a bunch of paintballs went off in our bathroom. And uh, hot pink paint all over the walls, all over the toilet, into the grout, onto the doors, everywhere. And I just went, Jesus was whispering. He's like, Nate, can you still welcome him into the family? Can you welcome him? He has brought nothing but a mess to the table. And in that moment, I went, this is the greatness that you're talking about, God that we would be willing to serve those who don't bring anything to the table. Because when it comes to Jesus, you and I don't bring anything to the table, do we? All we can bring is our broken lives and the messes that we have. See, what Jesus was getting at when he was saying this, and I love this about the heart of God, we hear this backwards and a little bit different, but what he was saying was this, God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. See, part of our problem in our life is this, we feel like we will get ourselves over this addiction. We will accomplish greatness in our life. Let me have a Dr. Phil moment with you for a second. How's that going for you? (laughs) You satisfied? How's your heart? Are you free? Are you full of resentment? See Jesus, this is the beauty because he's not calling you and I just to serve and be last. He was the one who was first and said, I'll be last, and I'll be the servant of all. But can I be honest with you all for a second? We hate needing help, don't we? First thing we do when we go to build something, what do we do? Throw away the instructions. (laughs) I'll take it from here. I don't need any help. And the whole time, greatness is standing at our doorway going, I want to make your life great. I have a way for your life to be great. Oh, it might not be popular. You may never win any awards. But you will experience the greatness of grace. See, this is the cool thing about grace. Grace just doesn't make us good. Grace makes us great. Grace says, I want to lean into this. I want to call you in to my life. Right now our volunteers are going to go back and get ready to serve communion. And we're going to do communion today a little bit different. And for those of you here who might not be a follower of Christ or maybe this is your first time here, hey, feel free to let the trade just pass on by. But what we do every week when we take communion here is we don't just take communion to go, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to try better this week and I'll see you next week at 1130 and hopefully I've done better. It's not what communion is. Communion, when we take the bread and the juice, we are declaring and we are saying, Jesus, you are my help. You are the greatest of all time. That's what's fascinating. The disciples are standing around the greatest human of all time, the greatest leader, the greatest savior of all time. And all they can do is argue with each other about who's the greatest. So oftentimes in our life, we have greatness with us. Jesus is with us, and all we can talk about is ourselves. And at this time of communion, when we take the bread and the juice, we pause and we declare, no, you are the greatest of all time, of what you did on that cross to set us free. Matter of fact, the word for communion, we say communion, actually kind of the more theological word is Eucharist. And in Greek, this is what Eucharist means. It just means simply this. I want you to think about it before they pass this out. It means the good gift. The good gift. See, when we pause and we do this and we receive communion, we are receiving and reminding ourselves of the help that we need. And when we take this, we declare, Jesus, I can't save myself. Jesus, I have nothing to offer you. All I have to offer you is my mess. And Jesus goes, good. I welcome your mess. And I want my grace to change you from the inside out. We're going to do communion a little bit different, so I'm going to invite our volunteers to come and pass it out. And I'm going to ask you, if you're going to take communion, just to hold on to the bread and the juice for a moment, and we'll take it together. And as they do, I want you to focus on this passage from Colossians chapter one on the screen. You know what's so powerful about this scripture? Before we take the bread and the juice here in a moment, and I'll guide us through that. What's so powerful about this passage is when it says he is before all things, what Paul is saying here in Colossians is that Jesus was first. All of creation was made in and through him. He's before all things. He is first. And then yet it says this, in him all things hold together. Which means this, the one who was first became last and a servant of all. You ever hear anybody say when you ask him, hey, how you doing? I'm holding on by a thread, man. I'm holding on by a thread. Jesus goes I'm not asking you to hold on by a thread I'm asking you to let me hold you together so give me your thread give me your thread what is it that you're trying to stitch together in your life see when we celebrate this we say that Jesus this is who you are before we take the bread, I want you just to look and answer this question to Jesus right now. What broken areas are you quiet about that you need to tell Jesus? That's what the scripture said when Jesus asked that question of his disciples. What are you guys arguing about? And then they got quiet. What do you need to be open and honest about? let Jesus hold together today. Talk to him right now before you take the bread. Let's take the bread together that represents the body that was broken for us. Then the juice simply represents the blood that was poured out. See, the body was broken to take away the sins of the world. But Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I've covered your shame. He says, I wanna lead you into the future. And so before we take the juice, I want you to look at this scripture. Jesus says this. He says, I don't need you to make your life great. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of, men, some of you today, you're just running hard trying to get that rest. You're running hard, and that rest ain't coming. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you to come to me with your weariness and your burdens so that your soul can find rest. I want you to live a new way of life. And so here's the question I want you to talk to God about right now, Just simply say this, Where do you need to let God lead you forward? God, what life are you calling me out of and you're calling me into? See, there's no greatness without Jesus. This only comes from an internal change that pours into an external life. Talk to him right now about where you need to let him lead you forward. Let's take the juice together. Remember what he's done for us. Father, today we declare that you are greater than anything we've ever known, that Jesus, what you did on the cross is greater than anything we could accomplish. And so Lord, I pray today for all of our hearts in this room that we would allow you to redefine and to lead us forward in a life that we couldn't create for ourselves. Father, we thank you for Herbie and his family. Father, how you never forget any of us. Even through the hardest moments, God, you are at work and you call us into your life. And so today, Jesus, for some of us, may we experience your greatness and your grace for the first time. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's live in the way of greatness this week, everybody. God bless you.